This is an audio sermon recorded at the Church of Christ at Johnson Mill in Fayetteville, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 3801 Johnson Mill Boulevard. 2 Peter 3, verse 1 to 14. Peter writes this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless also, or excuse me, melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing you look for such things, be diligent, that you may be found of Him in peace, without spot, and blameless. Most everyone's interested in the future, and especially the future that has to do with the second coming of Jesus, with the end of the world. And you can let some fellow on television or radio or by print or whatever announce that he has information about the Lord's return and the events that are associated with it. He gets people's attention very quickly. Now, these people claim to be prophets, and many of them think they know things about the future, and they make speculations and predictions. I'm not a prophet. You're not prophets. And so I want to take the second coming of Jesus and instead of the future put it in the past and just raise the question, what if Jesus had come yesterday? What if that had been the day? What if it were not still future? What if it were yesterday? What would have happened? Obviously yesterday wasn't that day, but that day is coming. In Acts 17, there in the introduction, verse 30-31, Paul here in the city of Athens was speaking to the Epicurean and the Stoic philosophers on Mars Hill. And Paul said to them, The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because He hath appointed a day in the which He will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom He hath ordained, whereof He hath given assurance unto all men, in that He hath raised Him from the dead. God has appointed a day. Notice, He has already appointed this day, a day in, in which He'll judge this world in righteousness. Yesterday was not that day, but that day, of course, will come. 
in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 to 11, Luke, who wrote the book of, of Acts, records the ascension of Jesus back to heaven. Luke says of Christ that when He had spoken these things, while they beheld, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen Him go into heaven. Jesus then is coming back someday. The truth is, we don't know when. The Lord said in Matthew 24, 36, But of that day and hour knoweth no man. Of that day and hour knoweth no man. Know not the angels in heaven, but my Father only. Again in 1 Thessalonians 5, and verses 1 and 2, The Thessalonians, for whatever reason, were troubled about the return of Christ. They were troubled about their loved ones that had died in the Lord. And Paul continually reminded of things about these, these questions in their minds, these doubts, these concerns. And regarding His coming, he said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 and 2, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. We know when a thief comes, he comes suddenly. He comes unexpectedly. He comes without warning of any kind. And that's how Jesus will come. And Jesus said that no man knows that day, no, not the angels of heaven, just my Father. In spite of all these scriptures that we read about how no one knows the future, we've always had people predicting the return of Jesus. There's always been prophets that would tell folks they knew when He was coming. They're still out there today. There have been all kinds of predictions through the years. One of the earliest that I've read is a fellow that said the Lord was coming back in the year 1000. Now that probably sounded like a really good guess in somebody's mind because we just read there in the opening text, one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. We read over in Revelation of a reign of a thousand years. The word 1000 appears several times in the Bible in different contexts. So 1000 A.D. probably sounded really, really good to somebody back in that day. But 1000 A.D. came and Jesus didn't because that was not the day that God had appointed. Back in the year 1843, there was a man named William Miller who said that he had studied the book of Daniel. And he had figured out that Jesus was coming that very year. He even named the month and the day. And Miller's followers were all excited. Some of them had sold businesses or homes or whatever. They had taken care of, of last details because they were sure that, you know, they would be leaving this earth. And on that day, of course, in the year 1843, Jesus didn't come because that wasn't the appointed time. Miller told his followers, he said, well, I missed it a year. He's coming back in 1844. So 1844 came and Jesus didn't come because 1844 wasn't the day either. Then around the turn of the 20th century, the Jehovah's Witnesses started making predictions. And they told us that Jesus would come back in 1914. They wrote a book about it. That book was named Millions Now Living, shall never die. Now folks, 1914 is 105 years ago. Those millions are now dead. 
1914 came and Jesus didn't come. That wasn't the appointed time. That book's out of print, although I think some others have printed it besides Jehovah's Witnesses just to remind people of the false predictions. And for years the witnesses held off these predictions, but then they began to tell us that Jesus was coming back in 1975. 75 came and Jesus didn't come because that wasn't the time. And many people became disillusioned with the Jehovah's Witnesses. They left the movement. I was preaching two or three years ago at a congregation. There was a lady there in the audience and, and I'd talked about the false prediction there in 1975 and, and so she made the statement, well, you know, I used to go to the Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I attended that group. I left them after that 1975 prediction because I could see they were false. And she had left that movement and many people became disillusioned with the witnesses and, and left them after these failings of these predictions. Around the year 1970, a man came on the scene by the name of Hal Lindsey. Lindsey had written a book in 1970 called The Late Great Planet Earth. I remember reading that book. <clears throat> also, they made a movie about it. And I remember in Fort Smith, Arkansas, I went to a theater there to watch that movie, The Late Great Planet Earth. And in the early 70s, it was narrated by a guy named Orton Orson Welles. And I don't know what year in the 70s, probably around 74 or 5, I don't remember the year. I remember taking a notepad and a pen and going to watch a movie. I'd never done that in my life. And I sat there in the theater and took notes all during the thing. Because Lindsay was making predictions back then, as he wrote in 1970, that he said the rapture would occur in uh, 1981. And that seven years later after the tribulation, seven year tribulation, Jesus would return in 1988. And everybody was just going crazy about this. It was, a, it was quite a prediction. And of course 81 came and there wasn't any rapture. And 88 came and there was no second coming of Jesus. Lindsay was wrong, see. There was a Little Rock uh, radio preacher named Edgar Wisenhunt that's that began to make predictions back in 1988. And he said that the rapture would occur in 1988 and he, he told his listeners on about 40 radio stations that he had, on such and such day I will not be here. I think it was April 1st and he became an April fool. I remember that distinctly. But he said that he wouldn't be on the air at that time because the rapture was going to occur and, and so he would be long gone. No need to turn your radio on on that date because I won't be here. And he said that the second coming of Jesus would take place in 1995, and if I remember correctly, he named the date December 23rd, 1995, would be the second coming of Jesus and the end of the world. I can remember preaching down in Sherman, Texas in the early 90s, probably in, I believe in 95, mid-90s. And uh, this prediction was out there that Jesus was coming December 23rd, that very year. And I remember thinking and saying to the audience, well, we'll see what happens here in a little while because that was in about October of that year and there wasn't very much longer for His uh, prophecy to be fulfilled if it was going to be. And I remember specifically thinking about His prediction that very day, December 23rd, 1995. I had 
reminded and told myself, be, be thinking of this very date, be watching, because this is not going to happen. It never does when these guys make predictions. 1995 came, December 23rd came, and Jesus didn't. That wasn't the appointed time. Around the year 2000, we had the big Y2K scare, if you remember. Everybody stored up food, they were storing up water, all the computers were going to crash, chaos everywhere. Remember that? A guy came on the scene making predictions about the year 2000. His name was Jack Van Impey. And uh, Mr. Van Impey said that the Lord was coming in 2000. 2000 came and Jesus didn't. That wasn't the time. So Van Impey made a prediction it'll be 2007. And 2007 came and Jesus didn't come. He revised that and said, well, he's coming in 2012. 2012 came and he didn't. Then he began to say he's coming in 2017 or 18, and those years came and Jesus didn't. And I don't know if he's got any more predictions or not. <clears throat> I haven't heard any past these dates last year. No doubt there will be others making predictions in the future. The truth is that nobody can take the book of Daniel and study it or any other book in the Bible and tell us when Jesus is coming. Jesus said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Nobody can know that time. You know, when you turn the radio and television on today, though, these guys are still, they're trying to make predictions. People are being a little bit more cautious. <clears throat> Sometimes they'll say, Well, I don't know the day and I don't know the time exactly, when Jesus is coming, but I know it's going to be soon because they tell us all the signs are here. And then they go to Matthew 24, which is discussing in those early verses of the chapter there the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD by the Romans. And they tell us all the signs are here that there are wars and rumors of wars and famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. And all these are signs that the second coming of Jesus is very near. But you see, it may be a thousand years before the Lord comes. It may be two thousand years. Or it may be today. I don't know of anything except the will of God and His long suffering that would keep Jesus from coming this very day. I don't know of anything that could prevent it. It's up to God. Depends on how long suffering He intends to be how long He will let this earth go without destroying it, how long before He will send Jesus, we simply don't know. The only thing we really know about this is Jesus didn't come yesterday. That's really all we know. But what if He had ever? Had the Lord come back yesterday, there would be things that would be true today, things that would have already happened. And I would ask each of you to think about it for just a minute. Where would you be right now if Jesus had come yesterday? What would you be experiencing right now? What would have happened to us? Because there are definitely things that would have happened had He come. Let's talk about some of those things. <clears throat> First of all, had the Lord come back yesterday, there would be no more opportunities for anyone to be saved. No more soul saving. And so, we wouldn't be concerned about gospel meetings, about Bible studies, about personal evangelism, 
about sending money overseas for missions. We wouldn't be concerned about all of this out outreach that is being made to try to reach those that are lost. Because all opportunities for anyone to be saved would be gone had the Lord come back yesterday. Let's let that soak in just a minute and think about people right now that every one of us have concerns about. You got somebody in your family you're worried about? Somebody on your job? Somebody at school? Some neighbor, some friend, some acquaintance? And maybe you've been praying about them and you're concerned about their soul. And had the Lord come back yesterday, those very people that we're thinking about would be lost right now with no opportunity to ever be saved. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 5 there in verse 16, the, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. That's Proverbs 11.30. Ephesians 5 and, and verse uh, 16, we're told redeeming the time because the days are evil. We ought to be buying up the time, literally thinking about the time because we don't have much time. The Lord told us that the day, the day is uh, coming, the night's coming when no man can work. One day this will all be over and we won't have any more time and those that need to be saved will just be lost and nothing can be done for them. Had Jesus come yesterday, <coughs> there wouldn't be invitations like the one there in, in uh, Revelation 22 and 17 where John writes, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. That wouldn't be an invitation today. That's five verses from the end of our New Testament. John penned the last invitation that should be given to man. And that invitation wouldn't be any good if the Lord had come yesterday. And all these people that have good intentions, that simply say, One day I'm going to be baptized. One day I'm going to become a Christian. One day I'm going to get my life right with God. One day I'm going to do that. And there are many people that have these intentions. But had the Lord come back yesterday, they would just have those same intentions. And all those people would be in hell right now had He come yesterday. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-9, Paul said to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. All those people that had good intentions would have those good intentions today in the lake of fire. Secondly, had the Lord come back yesterday, this earth and everything in it would be burned up. The chairs that you're sitting in wouldn't be here. This building wouldn't be here. This earth and everything in it would be gone. And that's really what the Lord said in Matthew 24, 35 when He said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but My word shall not pass away. In 2 Peter 3 and 10, the, the opening scripture that we read together, Peter said, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein 
shall be burned up. I've thought many times about these, these skyscrapers that we see. How about the New York skyline that's so popular? The skyline there in Manhattan. All of those great structures that men have built wouldn't be here today. These long bridges that span uh, just long tracts of water, long causeways and bridges, everything that man's construction constructed would be gone today. Let's think about what we possess, each of us. Think of your house, all your furnishings and furniture, all your clothes, all of your possessions, any heirlooms you have, any cash that you've accumulated, that wouldn't be here. The checkbook wouldn't be any good because there wouldn't be a bank and there wouldn't even be a checkbook. Stocks and bonds and insurance policies and things that people have laid back, property that they own, everything you and I own, if you'll think about all you possess, would be gone right now had the Lord come yesterday. It wouldn't be here. That's why we don't need to get attached to things here on earth. In 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6 to 10, the Bible says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's okay to have possessions. It's all right to plan for our future and maybe lay money aside for educating the children or for maybe retirement years. It's okay to have a little nest egg and, and, and to be thoughtful and to prepare and to take care about life. But there's so many people today that are just pursuing wealth and possessions. That's where they spend their time. Their time is devoted to that. They work and work and work and labor and labor, just gaining and trying to grasp just a little bit more, and they're laying it back. Why? There are things that could be done with that money right now. There's evangelism that could be done. There are are people about us that have needs, folks that we can help. And folks, when we get so attached to worldly things that we just start laying up things, just, we're just pursuing wealth and money, that's a very dangerous attitude. And we're warned here in this scripture not to do that. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world and it's certain we can carry nothing out. We're not carrying one thing out of this world. Not even the clothes that we have. Somebody will dress our corpse, but we will not carry anything out. And actually that, that won't leave this world anyway. It'll be buried with us, only to deteriorate. We absolutely come out of this, this earth with nothing that we possess here. One day all will be gone. Had Jesus come back yesterday, that would have been the day. And you and I would be robbed of everything we have. I've often said one of these days I'm going to be just as wealthy as Sam Walton. As soon as I die, I'll be just as wealthy as Sam. Sam didn't carry anything out of here, and I'm not either. 
Death is a great equalizer. It just takes everything we've got and makes everybody equal. And then only what is spiritual in nature, any treasure we've laid up in heaven is going to last. No matter how much wealth we accumulate here, we will take none of it with us. It won't matter. It just will not matter. And if you'll think about it, what you have right now means nothing. Had the Lord come back yesterday, it absolutely means nothing. And yet we get attached to all this stuff, see. And it's a trap that we need to flee. Covetousness, the Bible says, is idolatry. And that becomes our God. Number three, had Jesus come back yesterday, those of us that were alive yesterday would not have died. Now, we don't like to think about death too much sometimes, but you know, we have an appointment with it and we're not going to break it. In Hebrews 9 and 27, the Bible says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. We're familiar with appointments. We have dental appointments and doctor's appointments and business appointments and appointments for all kinds of things. And sometimes we will say uh, to a business or to a medical facility, can you reschedule me? I can't make it today. We'll have things come up and we can't keep those appointments. But death is an appointment we're going to keep unless Jesus comes in our lifetime. We're not going to tell the grim reaper, I'm sorry, I just can't go with you today. I don't have time to die. I've got things to do. We're not going to break that appointment. Had the Lord come back yesterday, though, you and I wouldn't have to keep that appointment. Some generation, I don't know which one, might be ours. Some generation's not going to have to die because they're going to be alive when the Lord comes. And that would have been our generation. That would have been right now had the Lord come back yesterday. Those of us alive, everybody here would not have died. What would have happened? Those of us that are faithful Christians would have made a great journey up into space. The Bible talks about it in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 to 18. Paul said, For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Yesterday we would have taken a flight without a space shuttle, without any kind of aircraft. We would have gone up through the clouds to meet Jesus up in the air with those saints that had been resurrected and changed to a state of glory. They would have gotten there before we would have, and we would have joined all of them to meet Jesus in the air. And that would have been an incredible flight. And for those of you that have flown, you know how it is when, you, when you're way up in the, in the uh, sky, thousands of miles, or thousands of feet high, I'm sorry, and uh, you look down on these big old fluffy billowing clouds. Ever done that from an airplane? They look like you could jump out of that airplane and land on one of them and just lay back and relax a little bit, like hitting a big giant pillow. That's what they look like to me. I know we would pass right on through them if we came out of that airplane, but they, they look like just a big old pillow bed, an old feather bed, if you may, and uh, that we could just land on them and relax. 
It's beautiful up in the air. Beautiful looking down on the earth. Everything looks miniature. We look down, it looks like little cars are going along, you know. Everything, even the houses, everything looks small. It's incredible to be way up high and look down on things. And you, you can only imagine what we would have seen yesterday had we risen to meet the Lord in the air. I don't know what we would have viewed, but it would have been incredible. What an experience. The question is, would you have made that journey? Would I? Number four, had the Lord come back yesterday, the dead would already have been raised, not just raised up, but changed. Because when Jesus comes, everybody's going to rise from the dead that's in the grave. In John 5, verse 28 and 29, Jesus said, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear His voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Do you believe that one day when Jesus comes, He'll speak, and all the graves will open, and all these cemeteries will be standing full, so to speak, of people that have come up out of the ground? He has that ability to do that. We've seen, uh, we see Him demonstrating that when we read, like in John chapter 11. <clears throat> You'll remember Jesus had a friend, Lazarus, that lived at Bethany. He was a brother to Mary and Martha. And Jesus heard that He was sick unto death, but the Lord didn't go heal him. He could have gone and healed Lazarus, and the man would have never died. He was a very dear friend to Jesus. But the Lord delayed on purpose, and He allowed Lazarus to die. And after his death, he and the disciples went to Bethany. And when Mary and Martha saw Jesus, they said, Lord, if you'd been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus asked them, Where have you laid him? And they said, Come and see, Lord. The Bible says that Jesus wept. He went out to that grave. It was a sepulcher made out of rock, had a stone rolled over the entrance very similar to what the Lord's burial was about. And Jesus, when He gets there, tells them to remove the stone. They say, Lord, He's been dead four days. By now He stinks. Nonetheless, at the Lord's bidding, they, they removed the stone from that opening. Jesus didn't often pray publicly, but on this occasion He did. He paused there and He prayed and He said, Father, I know you hear me, I know you hear me always, but because of them standing by, I said this, that they may believe. And then in John eleven forty three, Jesus cried, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says, Lazarus came out of that tomb bound head and foot with grave clothes, with a napkin over his head. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. I once read a guy's remark about that. He said, it's a good thing that Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. If anybody else had been buried nearby and He'd said, come forth, they would have come too. That's how it'll be when Jesus comes. He will speak, and everyone that's in the grave will hear His voice and come forth. He has that kind of power. And that would have happened yesterday. Now imagine all these bodies raised up. 
Imagine the sea giving up all the dead that's in it. How many have died at sea in naval battles? Thousands of people. How many have been wrecked in storms and perished and gone to the bottom? No telling how many. How many have just been buried at sea? Likely thousands. How many have been killed? Somebody took them out in the oceans and put weight on them and disposed of the body. All of those would have come up too. I've often thought about people that committed murder thinking that they had hidden the body and they got away with the crime all their life. Resurrection day, they look over there in the crowd and there's the person they murdered. The judge is standing in front of them. And now they've got to go before Jesus and answer for murdering this person that's now there in the resurrection. Nothing will be hidden that's not brought to light. And so all of the dead would have risen yesterday had Jesus come. What, a, what an interesting time. What a great scene. What kind of body would they have? You ever wondered about your body? What's it going to be like? The Corinthians did. 1 Corinthians 15, 35, <clears throat> they must have asked Paul, how are the dead raised up, and with what body do they come? So Jesus began to answer that question about their body. He said, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown in corruption, it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Verse 52, Jesus said, In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now that would have happened yesterday, not only a resurrection, but we'd have a changed body of some kind right now. It wouldn't be like what we've got. It would be a different composition, a glorified state of some kind. And we don't know what it'll be like. In 1 John 3 and 2, John said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it not, does not yet appear what we shall be. We know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So we're going to have a body like Jesus, changed to an immortal state. And you know, that, that's, that sounds pretty good to me if I can have a body like Jesus has. Can you imagine what kind of body our Lord has when He rose from the dead and that body's been changed to a state of immortality? The Lord must have an incredible body. And John says we'll, we'll be like Him, for we'll see Him as He is. We're going to have a glorified body of some kind. And it's a body that won't know pain, it will never get sick. It will not need rest. Likely we will not have to feed it or drink. It is immortal. It has everlasting life. It will be here forever. That's exciting. Let's think of a 24-hour day that we all have now. and Of that 24 hours, let's think about how much of that 24 hours we spend on our body every day. What if we get eight hours sleep? We've already used a third of that day. We take a third of our day resting our body and mind. We have to do that. One day we won't have to rest. 
We won't need a nap. We won't need to sleep all night. We just won't need that. What if we, uh, what if we allow, oh, I don't know, let's allow 30 minutes a meal, let's say, and we eat three times a day. That's another hour and a half off. Now we're down to 14 and a half. How many of you work an eight-hour day providing for the needs in this life? Now you're down to six and a half, and you may have an hour commuting, 30 minutes there, back, and lunch breaks and all. We'll take it down to five hours. We're just doing this for the body, see. Now we're still not through with the body in those five hours. We bathe it, hopefully. We shave it. We put makeup on it, best we can, cover all those crevices. We exercise it. We do all kinds of things just for the body. That doesn't leave very much time in a day, does it? Had the Lord come back yesterday, we wouldn't be burdened with all that. You wouldn't worry, have to worry about rest, rest and and feeding and all these different things that we do now just for our bodies. All that would be over. And we'd have that glorified body right now. And I don't know what it'll look like, but it'll look like Jesus. And I don't know how you feel about your body. <clears throat> Chances are, if you're a young person, you just love your body right now. Just be patient. You won't think as much of it later. Wait till some of the hair falls out or you lose some teeth. Wait till the wrinkles come and wait till things start sagging that are pretty firm right now. The body changes in appearance. Just look at a picture of somebody that's older now that was young. Or just think about your own self, what you used to look like. Even if you're a young person, go back to your childhood and look at pictures. As soon as we're born, we start dying. Our body starts getting weaker and weaker. And one day that'll all be over. And had the Lord come back yesterday, we'd have that new body today. I'm getting ready to trade mine. If I can have one like Jesus, that'll be pretty good. Number six. I should say number five. Had the Lord come back yesterday, he would have found most people unprepared and unconcerned and just carrying on with normal activities of life. Matthew 24, verse 37 to 39, is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, but it foreshadows the second coming of Jesus and what it'll be like. Christ said here in, in uh, this verse 37 of Matthew 24, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, and knew not until Noah entered into the ark, till the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. When Jesus comes, it will be similar to Noah's time. People will be eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. In other words, carrying on with normal activities of life. And most of them, of course, will not be ready. They'll be unprepared. They'll be unconcerned. We've got maybe, maybe what, seven and a half billion people on earth right now. 
Seven and a half billion. How many are ready for Jesus? Out of 7.5 billion, how many would be prepared if the Lord came right now? Very few. Very few. Were we prepared yesterday, and more importantly, are we prepared right now? And are we concerned about our salvation, about our soul, and are we ready? Can we really say right now, come Lord Jesus, I'm ready. I want you to come right now. I'm ready. Interesting question. That would have happened yesterday. Were we ready? How about today? How about some of you that are thinking, you know what, I need to do something about my situation right now. You've got an opportunity today to change your situation and to be prepared. Number six, <clears throat> had Jesus come back yesterday, the great judgment we read about in the Bible would have already taken place. We would already be judged. And I'm assuming it doesn't take the Lord long to make His mind up. Let's read some scripture about that. Matthew 25, verse 31 to 34. Jesus said, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations. And He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set His sheep on the right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall He say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of My Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Verse 41, he speaks to those on the left, and he says to them, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That separation would have taken place already. We'd see a husband separated from a wife, and a wife from a husband. We'd see parents separated away from children, and children from parents. The parents would go one way, the children would go another. We'd say dear, dear, we would see dear friends in life, separated, relatives of all kinds, separated from each other. Maybe some that attend church with us, some on the right hand and others on the left. On the left they didn't make it, because that judgment will take place when Jesus comes. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 10, Paul said, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive for the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. When Jesus comes, everything about us is going to come out. Everything not forgiven is going to come to light. Our language, our thoughts, all of our deeds, Anything not forgiven that's wrong is exposed. What if you were to come up before the congregation today and, and we could know every thought that you've ever entertained? Or you were to stand up before us today and we could, we could hear every word that had ever come out of your mouth? What if every deed you've ever done were exposed to just this little group here? It would humiliate all of us, wouldn't it? We wouldn't want people knowing what we'd thought or what we'd said or maybe some of the things we've done or not done. 
And that's what judgment will be like for many people. Everything will come to light because whatever is not forgiven is exposed. And we need our sins forgiven. In Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 and 14, Solomon said, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Listen. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Everything will come out. That would have happened yesterday. We would have stood before Jesus, and anything unforgiven would be exposed, and we would have been judged. And that leads me now to the seventh and final thing. <coughs> Had Jesus come back yesterday, you and I would be in heaven or hell right now. That's the outcome of the judgment. To some, the Lord would have said, Come home with me. To others, He would have said, Depart from me. Some would have been taken to heaven, others would have been sent to the lake of fire. In Revelation 21 and verse 4, there's a description here. Many believe this to be the church, simply viewed spiritually after the defeat of the Roman Empire, but with a foreshadowing of what it will be like in heaven. But the verse says that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I believe that's a lot what heaven will be like. There is no death, there is no sorrow, there is no crying, there is no pain. It's a beautiful place. Just the opposite, though, for the wicked. We read in Revelation 14, 11, this is those who have followed the beast, but of course it foreshadows what it will be like at the end of time. The Bible says, The smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Torment forever and ever, no rest day or night forever. Folks, that's what we would be experiencing right now. Either the bliss and the joys of heaven, or the horrors of the lake of fire for all eternity. Because we'd be in heaven or hell right now had Jesus come yesterday. It's that quickly. We're that close to heaven and hell. Just the coming of Christ. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. To receive new sermons each week, subscribe on Google Play Music, iTunes, Spotify, and like us on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and God bless.